Yo, back to my hat and babe. A shiny heat. Cheers. How we doing team? It's Dak here, PG Dak's Real Football Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to episode 2. Just want to do a big shout out to our episode sponsor today who is Stevenson Financial based in Glasgow who cover all aspects of financial advice like retirement plans, investments, life assurances and mortgage advice. And as a special offer, the guys down there, Ali and Johnny, are offering free mortgage advice for anyone who contacts them and quotes PG and Dak. Top, top offer for top, top guys. The best number to get them on is 07989-411-943. So thanks a lot for sponsoring the episode at Stevenson Financial. Uh, moving on to the episode... Top episode with two top guys. We've got Mick Kennedy, the gaffer at Darvo, alongside star player Dan Miller. It's going to be a top, top show. I'm sure you'll enjoy it because I know we did. Take care. Mick, Dan, really appreciate you coming on to speak to us tonight. Thanks for coming, lads. Was in my dog, man. They've got negatives. Darren Miller. Right, just as we're about to start, I'll take the new for you, Mick. Right, everybody, Black Rooster, best place you can get in the world. Get yourself down there, get yourself a rat meal, a chicken burger, anything you want. Right, Mick, so just send that grand into the bank account after. Still think it's shite, your pain is less than the boys get a week, but go with the new. <laughs> right, Mick. Just we'll just start for your first season at Darvo. Um, you've played your League Cup section, obviously this is kind of the Ardak Cup. You've had three Premier League teams in it. You've ended up losing two of the first three games. How did you feel? Well, you lost one in penalties. I can see your your face looking a bit there. You lost to Hurlford in penalties, Beaklin Afton, and then lost to Talbot. How did you find it starting? Uh, I, th- I think to be fair, up until that point, we probably started the season really well. Uh, I think I'll be honest with you, I think after that section, I think we were further away than what I thought we would have been. If your people were talking about it, would be one of the top clubs in the country potentially at that point, even though the championship. Uh, I felt after we played on Lake, and even though we'd end up with the penalties with Hurlford, I thought we were pretty fortunate second half, to be fair, uh, to get to, to one each. So I felt after it, I thought the boys done really well. And they'll forget, we had 12 boys with amateur football in that squad. Uh, we were part of that group at that time in the season. So it, it was a good test for us early on. We played a lot of uh, Premier League teams in pre-season friendlies and won all the games pretty comfortably. So I think we went into the, that section of people in a lot of optimism and probably fancied us to go through it, some people. But I felt at the end of it, I felt I knew at that point we'd probably be up near work today than what I'd expected. Do you think it was probably a good thing for you in hindsight to give you that weekend a reality check? Well, I, I think the challenge for us was always just to get the championship. I think other people were talking about us could potentially win the Scottish Cup and all that. I don't think that was it. It was on our radar at that particular point. Even though I felt if we got to later stages, then I, I felt the group we had, we could have done particularly well. But reality was, we were able to get the championship. After, even though I was sort of a bit of wake-up call at that point after the, the, the section, I still felt at that point we were enough to win the league and get the championship, which was the main priority. So, but I knew come the sum, that summer to go into that league and compete we can be fit, I knew we'd have a bit of work to do. What did you think me, it? Oh, sorry. See for, see, for me, Matt, new outside, your boys seem to, like, Dan will be able to chuck in on this one, but your boys 
you're saying you took the 12 for amateur, obviously they seem to you seem to get the best out of them in cup competitions and all. Um, so for me being a new side, I would have fancied just to have a good chance at that Scottish as well, uh, just due to the fact that your boys know how to go about cup competitions. Seems to Gaffer seems to motivate you for them dams, you know. He's good at that, to be fair, I yeah, the, the team talks, if all the big games are really good, they should get involved in anything. So, uh, you can definitely get the best up there, aye. The gaffer's looking for a third-choice goalie, then he always knows where to come, but I think Maxie might want a few quid for me, to be honest, mate. I would take Maxie in third-choice anywhere, mate. He's a <laughs> see, see, to be fair, when Dax says a few quid, he literally means three quid. Darren, <laughs> <laughs> what was your reviews? Obviously, you've played high on that, but you'd been at Covo and then coming in with, with Mick at Darvel. What was your views? After the League Cup section, we're playing like obviously the Talbot's kind of the benchmark. I was suspended against Hurlford right enough, so that was straight. Um, the Talbot, I played against the Talbot before, and they're the best, aren't they? You can't, there's no denying that they're the best junior team about. They won everything that sank where every junior team wants to be. But up until that point, I had never been beat a Fortin Lick when I had played them, and I think I'd scored every time I played against them, so that was quite straight. So you think uh, it was poor management for Mick at cost that? Motivated enough, <laughs> Uh, it was good it was good but as Mick said we had a lot of boys no, listen I'd, I'll probably take that back because that team were the amateur players we had a really good team at Coho we took good players to Darvo we were good we were just gelling together people would forget that that was our first real competitive games so we didn't get back we could beat one half at Talbot we drew one we could beat one in penalties or whatever it was wasn't it a bad wasn't it bad but we just had all this shite about all the money. I'm on 40 grand a week, I've never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> See, to be fair, I think you're going to, on the outside, because obviously I've not known any user like that, on the outside, you're looking in and all, all you hear is all the money talk and everything. And like I said, Mike, I've listened to a couple of things that you've spoken and it has kind of been done to death. See, for this level, I don't think it's really an issue because... Somebody has to get paid the most at this level. You can't have everybody getting paid the same. You know what I mean? Like I know that the Talbot and when I was at Cumlock, boys were getting good wages and that was like a decade ago. You know what I mean? So I don't really think that people can make see, such a big deal about it. See if we did. Oh, see, like, there's no denying John and everybody else is going around about the club, right? So what's... That's like saying Man City shouldn't pay their players with the final because Watford can't afford that. Right, Damn, mate. I think you're spot on and I, I echo this. Uh, I've been kind of... When I've spoke to people personally, I've kind of felt as if I've kind of defended you with pure knowing in house what's happening because it's not anybody's business, in my opinion, mate, what boys are getting. Uh, boys play football, and I think if boys are getting a wee bit more money, their pressure comes with that because expectations are different. Mick Scott can handle different characters, maybe bigger characters for senior football and that. So, we that if there's a bit more on the budget, it brings more pressure. Um, so for me, mate, it's I was always one of them. It's good for the level to get good players coming in and use guys and all. So for me, mate, the argument about that, I don't think people should bother because you don't run about every day asking people what their own everyday wage. You know what I mean? But there's yeah. a great workouts no, football. So I don't. I, I've always kind of defended anybody that says that because at the end of the day, you're representing the grade. Representing the boys, and I think it's if, if that's if whatever you get is your own business, not meaning that's between you and your own club. That's just my feelings on it. See, on that, Mick, can I when you've taken Eric Darvo, I've heard you speak before about a three year plan and obviously looking for the club to be kind of self sustainable. See if 
the certain backers were to come out? Is the club able to run itself? Because obviously it's not got a massive fan base or anything like that. Well, I, I, I think just on wages, because Darren's here, and I don't think that Darren will mind me saying this. So, so, so my opinion, Darren's one of the top players at the level, even when we were in the Championship last year. I don't think anybody would deny that. I, I'm happy to tell you what Darren's wages were last year. His wages were 70 quid. Sure, Darren won't mind him making sure that real. That's what Darren was paid. That's what the average player in the, the, the squad was paid last year, between 70 and 90 quid. So so there was there, there was this uh, there was this furore on about wages. Then it came from internally, it came externally with people because we'd attracted a couple of boys from senior football. But the, uh, even the boys we attracted for junior Al McKenzie, Eddie Ferns and that they didn't come for the top clubs at that level either. Do you know what I mean? So the squad wasn't built with the best players in junior football at that particular point. Or we attracted some real quality for senior football. But other than that, there was a, a lot of made out of it. It wasn't really true. Uh, but I, I think in terms of if, if the investor pulled out, and there's primarily one main investor, which is obviously the chairman, our, our, the wage budget at Darvel in year one, year two, year three is funded solely by the club. John doesn't pay any wages, doesn't contribute to wages. It's solely funded by the club and sponsorship. Uh, the club's fan base is went to about 60, to about 350. So in the first year, so that brings in significant income. Then there's other sponsors who are behind the scenes that put a wee bit of money in, people who have lived in Davo and moved a, a abroad and have got businesses and stuff like that. So there's clubs get a lot of there. There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes to generate income streams that so have John's income. Where, where John's been really beneficial to the club is the infrastructure within the club has improved significantly for the day I took here, or even to the February when I agreed to come in, we started planning. That's really benefited. To John is uh, sorry, the club having John in the background. That's why the infrastructure within the club's changed considerably in such a short space of time. Because John, that's part of building a business plan and a business model that allows you to be sustainable. So that's where John invests his money. He? he doesn't pay anything towards any of the wages. Mm-hmm. Not this particular point anyway. So, and it's known as all this year or next year. Is it true that you have an American investor? Aye. So there is a there is a guy who or a family who who lived in Darvo. Uh, set up a pharmaceutical company, moved to America many years ago and, and sold it to one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world for, I think it was about £280 million. Pounds. So do you just not think about maybe seeing if you could go out and do a bit of warm weather training and you and Dal could be sitting by the pool and get a couple of beers? <laughs> yeah, Mick was going to take them to Dubai, ah, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see the thing for me is, Mick, see obviously you were saying and obviously you've you've been honest there about what Dan was on. Surely he must have in his deal a goal bonus for scoring outside 30 yards because the boys get nothing but sauce, man, fair enough about that. <laughs> you know? That, that's the only way that he scores for that, to be oh, fair. I'll tell you, honestly. No, but, but, so, 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 but, that, but that's part of bringing players who are buying into a project and are happy to be there in year one and they're buying it and they're trying to dare a sustained period of time. Darren's one of the boys. Dan could earn their money at this level and probably a couple of levels above, but he buys it at the project. Me and Darren have got a really good relationship as well. What helps is the same with other boys. But as I say, everything we date, John's a very successful businessman. I'm semi-successful myself. We know how to build brands. We know how to put infrastructure in place. We know how to generate income. And even other directors on the board as well, we've got a bit of business actually about it. So we understood and understand how to build businesses, and that's what we've done. 
John had done that before I came in. John's already been there for three, what, four years before I came in. So there was a, a plan put in place originally, Paul, which was a three-year plan, and that, that, that was all mapped out. See, you mentioned about the increase in supporters. How did you just go about increasing? Because obviously, like, 50, 60 fans to three, 350 is a massive jump within one um, season. Do you think uh, it was partly because you said the new players coming in and all that and it was a bit of excitement? Or were you going to expect that to be sustainable for them to keep coming in their numbers? Yeah, I'm taking notes on this one because I said last week that your 10 fans that asked you were the best fans in junior football. Max, he's been asked, he's not, and says it's 11, so I've left one of them out. So I'm going to take a note how you get the, the crowds up, mate. When we sat down, and if you really want to build something that's sustainable, it's not reliant on anybody, or even John putting infrastructure cost in, we had to get people through the gate. So, and that's about then looking at the brand at the club and saying, right, how do you get the, how do you build that? How do you build momentum behind it? How do you build excitement behind it? And how do you get it in the public domain where people will talk about it? The first thing we done was we built the changing rooms. That was intentional because, A, because I wanted to create that environment for the players because the environment for players is important to me. But also we were always aware that if we'd done that, we'd get good publicity on the back here. Then we knew bringing in the quality of players, maybe Darrell and the boys for senior, Mayor So, we knew build momentum and gets a bit of publicity behind the club. Then all of a sudden people start taking interest and they think something's happened. So you capture them initially. Then it's doing what you're doing on the park it determines well to stay or not. And because the season was successful, then it gradually grew and grew and grew and eventually we started hitting those figures, which is remarkable. But it was all, all that's planned out. It was, we talk about this all the time. Even though Darv, you're in a football environment, you're still it's still a business. You're still you've got customers, you've got competitors. So you've got to create something, which for us is a brand, and and that's what Darv is now. So there's ways of, of sort of managing that. There's ways of increasing demand, increasing people's opinions on it, increasing people wanting to come and be part of it. And we always felt if we really wanted to make sustainable, the fans had to feel as if they were driving it, they had to feel it was theirs. And that was a message we put through day one and then we've gradually built that up. Mike, so, I've seen I've seen a few pictures and things on social media. I think that it's testament. I think you've got a group of boys here and it looks as if just me being on the outside, Darn will probably be able to get in on this one. Like, I've seen pictures like with the players all with the fans and all that. So I kind of get the feeling that they're having a tight bond with the fans and it's actually, they're feeling maybe appreciating things like that, like the boys going in and having a pint or that maybe with the fans after the game and stuff like that. So is that, is that, is that the case down there? Like every previous club I've played it, it's not that I didn't take notice, right? But there's hundreds of committee members, there's hundreds of things, it's hard to keep on top of them. See for the day that Mick took him, you don't do everybody's been exact same way. You could, all the boys could tell you all the committee members' names. They sit down with after the game, the fans get involved, they all travel up their numbers. They were in the Chinese room one time, we were in the Scottish mine, Mick. It was brilliant. It's good. It's really, really good. And that's just the thing that, see, Covo, if, if we were still the gaff at Covo, we would all still be there, no doubt about it. It doesn't matter if we could all go and play high level. It's just because you work all week to go and play football. For me, with your pals on a Saturday, enjoy it. One thing's, but the main thing is enjoy it. I know it sounds daft or fucking on nearly 30, but... See, if you don't enjoy it, there's a fucking point gone. Oh, and gone. It doesn't matter if you play in the Championship or the SPL. I've shared times with boys that are wanks. So I'd rather just go away and play with my mates, you know what I mean? So it's good that everybody's buying it, the one thing. And obviously on the back of that, we're successful because he's got a good team. So everything just bonds in together, that's good. Um, back on to the, the first season, you've obviously had a tough kind of section start and then you've beaten Renfrew in your first game. 
4-3, obviously quite tight, but then through were a bit on the ascendancy at the time as well. See, once you get a couple of games in, you'd beaten Blanta in the second game as well. Did it kind of, once you started to gauge what the level was like, how did you feel after that? When the season started, we'd lost two of our main centre-half, so we were a wee bit decimated. And I think if you see, look at the early, the early games at the start of the season, they were all high score, we were conceding goals left, right and centre. I was just lucky we drew ball at the top end of the park, or middle of the front. And that was just due to simply because we'd centre-halves playing Sorry, centre mids playing centre half, with right backs playing centre half. We're really disjointed. We're just going to get a settled squad, and it took us probably to run about I don't know end of November to really get a settled group, get a settled team, some of the players back fit. Then after then we, 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 we started to pick up results. We started to play a wee bit better like ourselves. I think in the early games in the league, all the games were extremely tight. Uh, we weren't really particularly comfortable many games because we we were only strong defensively. But after that. Then it settled down and I felt then you start to see the quality we've got. Then I felt I was always confident that we'd go on a run and that's what happened. I think you see for your first four games you've lost ten goals for the season, but like you said, it's obviously one they're particularly happy with how it was defensively. Later in the season you played Beath in the West and they beat you three two. Was that another kind of cause you after you'd a kind of sticky start with losing goals, you had a good run and then you've lost to Beath. Was that again kind of maybe something just to say we're not quite at a level that we want to be at yet? I guess sent half of it. There you go, Darren. It's, it's you again, mate. Aye, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> Darren. 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 I think we were 2 0 good at that point, to be fair, as well. I think the time Darren gets sent half. So, so you just won 1 0 without Darren then? <laughs> <laughs> Get out of me. When you're playing the teams in that league, the margins are always tight. I think I say this to the boys all the time. I think. If, you, if your attitude and your application and your desire isn't right in that league, then I think you get found wanting. I think if, if you match that and you're hungry, and I think we played beef in a pre-season friendly and beat them comfortably 3-0. And I, I, I think they can do that day with a point to prove. And I just felt the first 15, 10-15 minutes they were really at it. Uh, I felt they felt they were coming down to prove a point and I think they'd done that. As the game settled on, I thought we'd get a grip it. And really in the end up, we were probably unfortunate not to end up three each late on in the game, but you wouldn't deny that beef Beef uh, deserve to win the, the tie. But no, I always felt Paul even get into that game. I always knew it come. I, I, I'm Dan will tell you, I'm a planner. So I'm already, once we play Ock and Lake and we go through that cup section, my head's, I'm already thinking about next summer. I'm away, I'm away ahead of myself already. I know the things the work that needs to be done. So even when we played Beef, I still knew we had to break up that squad come the summer, probably. Mayor so much, I thought I had to at the outset. But it was aye, it was a bit of an eye-opener, but it was just reaffirmed what I already knew, that to go to that tap, we can compete week in, week out, we had to make improvements. You were saying there that you were going to have to go and break the team up. See, for me, how hard, and that's probably testament to how good a manager you must be, because you're having to break up boys that basically gave you so much success in the amateur game and up to the time you were there. So how hard is that as a manager to obviously maybe move on some players that have been with you for probably... Five, five years or something, four or five years, and try and move on. I've got a really good relationship with players, so I, it's probably, I invest a lot of time in them, it's probably one of the most important things for me on managing clubs. So during that time, you're a part of a group and you're trying to, you're on a journey together and you're trying to build something, then you've got really close relationships with them. And also, what impacts on you end up at touching their personal life at times, depending on the environment they're in, the circumstances. So you end up really close to them, sometimes in football and out of football. The reality is, though, when it really comes to the crunch and I need to make tough decisions, then all that really goes out the window, to be fair. 
Oh, it's just the way it needs to be because ultimately I'm there to be a goal. I think as long as you're honest with people, Dak, as long as you're, Aye, uh, you're speaking to a player that comes and speak to you, speaking to them, as long as the conversation's always led and you're being honest with them, then I, I think I think people understand that. I tell players all the time, Dan will tell you every start of the season, it's a journey for this season. Nobody's guaranteed to be here the following year. A lot of that's depending on you and other circumstances. So, but it, is, it isn't easy to be fair. But the good thing is, anybody who's moved on, I still speak to, I still got a relationship with. I, I'm happy to see that anybody who's ever left the club, it, maybe at that time, they felt I've let them do it. Maybe, maybe not know, made the right decision, and maybe there's a wee bit of strained relationship for a couple of weeks. But when things settle back down, it a bit normality, and then I've always had strong relationships with people after mm-hmm. that. So. See when you've lost the games to like the Talbot and Bees and that, obviously kinda there's a lot of people that are possibly jealous of the situation, think that you have all this money and are quite happy for you to lose. Does that make you feel like you've got a point to prove? Because coming for amateur where Covo, to be honest, just completely dominated, see within you, it's got to be maybe that maybe bother you on how it feels with the fact that you've feel like you've got a point to prove. I, I never felt with it, it to prove. I, for me, it was about getting into, into that level of football and trying to imprint my philosophy, how I play football, how I, the environment I create, the culture I create, how I make sure that I stick to their beliefs and I don't get drawn away from that. Because I think you can. I think people were on a book, but were saying, listen, you need to go more direct. You're playing too much football, you're building to the back too much, parts are not good enough. You've got all those people trying to give you advice and opinions. And, and I think it's just important that you stick to your beliefs and stick to how, how I believe I should run a club, how I should run a change room. Then ultimately, if that brings success, then it does. But I don't I don't think I'm getting to prove. I think other people probably think that because I think there's this perception that this guy coming for amateur football, he's come in here, he's got a pot of gold and uh, he thinks it's going to be easier. They think it's going to be easier. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think we work hard as a club, as our coaching staff, management team, players, we probably work hard as anybody does in the country. To make sure we bring the club and the fans success, but I don't, I don't feel like I've got anything to prove to anybody because the reality is, out with the club, I really don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about us anyway. So ultimately, that's it. See, Covo, well, we were hate, we were hated the mess because we're all the best. That's oh, tough. I managed, really like I managed at Bridgewater amateurs. I fucking hated you as I know. <laughs> so, but the thing is, we were arrogant about it. Not that we were arrogant, but if see if we were getting beat three 0 I would. I think every player would think we're going to win four three, but we're good. So. We all had this thing. It's different with Darvel. We're not. We're by no means the best team. Fuck's sake, we've not won it. We've won a, a league, a championship. That's it. But people have got this perception of money, and you're not allowed to do this, and oh, so a shit. So it's completely different, I think. But they still, they hate it still there. That's fair enough. See, on the league, obviously it had to be kind of decided, and the way it was, whatever your beliefs are on it, it's kind of shit. Whether it be with Celtic winning the league or Auckland like winning it for coming for third. You said a bit of a rival, yeah, maybe. Johnston Borough, mate. They were fifth in the league and they won it. Aye, but Johnston Borough had won about fucking <laughs> 10 games. <laughs> but, uh, they had, um, you had a bit of a rivalry with Blantyre. As I said, you'd beaten them early in the season. Well, you beat them twice. How did that How did that feel, kind of? Maybe it's just me for outside seeing it, but it did seem like there was a wee bit of a rivalry because that was a team that were a genuine challenge for you. Did you feel that at all, that it was like maybe a wee bit more of an edge in the game when you played them later on in the season? Probably not the first game of the season, to be fair. It was it was more so probably the Scottish Cup tie, the way we were feeling up there early on. Big Alan gets sent half and they come back into it. And in and, and reflection, we're probably unfortunate to, to get a draw in the end. I think they, they end up 4 3 finished, I think. 4 uh, 3 maybe. Uh, and, and they were unfortunate not to, 
to get a draw of him, being honest with you. And I think there'll be a bit of rivalry that came from there. Then, obviously, they went on a really good run and we were on a really good run. I, I still generally do believe in every, the amount of games still to play, I still to play Bland at home. I was still confident we were going to win the league, as I'm sure John was there as well with his group of players and his management team. But aye, it was it was, a, it was probably the main bit of rivalry in the league because us two started to actually pull away. It looked like it was going to be a two-horse race at one point. But <laughs> nothing. I wouldn't say a rivalry in any sort of bad way. It was more competitive than having any sort of real needle to it, to be fair. Uh, but again, I, 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 I think John's done a fantastic job with Blantyre. Do you know what I mean? Probably working for a different budget for us. Maybe not get the financial support, the background to infrastructure, but what he's done with that club last year was fantastic as well and they fully deserved a place in the Premier League as well and I think they've been a credit to themselves in the league as well yeah, do, you know I, what, do you know what I played do you know what I, I signed for Blantyre Lance with Davy Gregg I played one game I get sent off after 20 minutes against we are leaving for a last man tackle and that was my career done with Blantyre mate out the door not the road stupid not the road stupid not me how did it how did it feel having to share a league title with him that must have see to be fair if I can be honest it must have been worse for them because technically if they'd won their games in hand, they'd have been ahead of you. So it must have been a bit of a, a kind of thorn in, in their, their craw, you know what I mean? But how did it feel oh, for you, Sam, to share? Granny had thought she'd be your uncle, wouldn't you? Aye. <laughs> she would, no, she wouldn't be that when they genetically make sense. But how did it feel for you about having to share a league title? I, I think when they'd done the calculation, it was like half a point or something like that they'd it by. See, be honest with you, Paul, I didn't really care about it. I wouldn't have cared if, if we get the appointed if we'd have won it by the points and been clear winners it wasn't really an interest to me my main aim was getting us into the Premier League I think if I'm at Darwin for the next five years and we'd won a championship I don't think it would be deemed as being a successful five year at the club if we won a championship it was never something I would have been over excited about if the season would have played it we'd have won it we'd have celebrated definitely for the boys and that. but our ambitions and aspirations are about getting into the Premier League and trying to be one of the top teams in the country I, I think Blantyre probably fell a bit more aggrieved than us, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have cared if they would have been declared outright winners for me. It was just a bit in the Premier League, ultimately. How how did it feel? See, obviously, see, after he's lost to Blantyre, he's lost to uh, sorry, after he's lost to Bead, you lost to Renfrew, and then he's went in a quite impressive run, winning nine and drawing two, and you had brought in the quarters of the Scottish and you drew them down at your place. How did that feel? That must have been. I'll go with you, but I stand as a player. That must have been kind of a bit of a pain in the arse. The fact that you knew you had a good chance at possibly getting to a semis in a final of the Scottish, and then obviously COVID's came in, there's nothing them they can do mm-hmm. about it. But how did it feel having a season cut short like that? After a while, everybody talked about the Scottish Cup and that, but after a while, we started to think, fuck, we are not here, we've got a good chance. Mm-hmm. Then, especially the game against Brody, we had the game one, we scored the last kick of the ball, literally. We split one right in the top corner. It's a bit of a kick of teeth, but again, that was the week the league got cut short, wasn't it? I think uh, that week was. We're confident I will not be unbeating them. I like you say, there's nothing anybody can do about that. I don't know, but there was a chance of the Scottish Cup in touching distance, wasn't it? Uh, don't get angry, so I had to go up and beat them in a semi final. And but everybody was thinking about it. Uh, you can't see, like, obviously, we use having won the Scottish at amateur level, and that you get you see players on the telly talking about like, oh, it's just the next game, but you know, it's like you're in a dressing room, you can't help but look at the final when you know you're that close to it. I've, yeah. But it's one of the ones, I suppose, with COVID, it's just kind of fucked it. And I suppose a game of football isn't really the most important thing. For Dan, how was it for you in terms of, particularly as you started, you said a pretty successful season, your first go at it. How was the team in terms of like, togetherness and all that? Amazing. 
Honestly, it was so good. The only thing, the thing different to this year is we've never shared a change room. I know it sounds daft, but you know what the change room is a big part of football, man. The change room we had last year was unbelievable. And it's the same with Kovo. Just to get everybody's in it together. There's there's no just like a start and a other. There's no just 15 players. There's 24 bodies in the girl. There's coaching staff. Everybody's in. Or just for one. I honestly think that's how we were so successful at Kovo. There was other good teams there. We had that. We had a bond with nobody else, and I think last year, I think last year the biggest challenge I would have been ourselves because I think if we knew we were all at it together and like the way we were, we could have beat anybody in that league comfortably. See, see but, what you're saying, Dan, mate. For, I always get that, mate. Like, see that kind of like I know this isn't like putting it down, but a kind of scheme team mentality I've played in a couple aye. of myself where everybody's pals and somebody's known the team they're not going to that like the fam they're, they're thinking about the bigger picture and all that and I, I, I do get that we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago with somebody and it's like it's end up teams with boys that you, you when you were growing up when you were younger you didn't like or didn't go on with and then you end up in this dressing room man and you just end up a cracking bunch of pals fighting against them and then you end up in a team with them but for me mate it, I definitely get that that vibe off he's in and I've been in that myself and I, I think it's it's the best thing and it's the best way to achieve success but it's even you've got that dressing room mentality and everybody's muckers and chipping in together and in it together mate it's no better feeling it normal. I remember going to Albion Rovers right up on the vibe him for Elgin with the daily initiation songs two boys started singing Nickelback that was for me it was already one morning time right what the fuck's happening here then we went to the change room and on the Monday, there was two change rooms on the Monday night. We used to talk about American football and all that. Oh, Wait, what the fuck are you talking about? I get me out, man. It's always senior dressing rooms that I've I can't get a lot of senior football, but I was a wee moose when I was younger and it fizzled. But then see the other ones, all the dressing rooms were brilliant because I was, I was at the centre of it. Well, who's Dan, who's the... <laughs> All the Darvo boys, who's uh, who's good for a laugh and who's because you've always got a token idiot in the team, I know. Mike, you can jump in with us, I know. Who is the the, the simpleton in the team? Xander's the funniest, 100%. He, I, hear, I, mean, I hear good stories about Xander, mate. I heard he's some laugh. I don't know him personally, but I heard he's, he's a, top drop. He's amazing, man. He's a, he's a special guy, he's Xander. He's a, he is amazing. I, I don't mean. No, no, a funny or a humorous way. I mean, he's he's, he's genuinely a special guy. He's a very good goalkeeping coach as well. He's exceptional, but he's a he's, he's a he's a very 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 good guy. He's uh, he's one of the nicest guys you ever meet. But I think part of what we try and do at the club or any club uh, that is that it's important that when you're bringing people into it, the fundamental good people before the football players. And I think that's what we always try and do. We invest a lot of time and finding out about people's backgrounds and names, personalities and individuals. We're very cautious how we bring it into the environment because as Darren says, it is gen- I know you hear people talk about this and they say, okay, families and all that, but I mean, it generally has to be that. I wouldn't have an environment that isn't that. Uh, so it's important that everybody's in it together. It's hard and all because players are naturally selfish. Fundamentally, you want to play every week. But Darren will tell you, tell the boys all the time, that the, the, the least important person in the changing room is actually you yourself. So if you come out the changing room and go, listen, I'm the least important person, then if you come in under that umbrella, under that opinion, then the reality is then we can all move forward together. But if you want to all be about you and you're the most important person, then the reality is you're in the rank changing room and people who come in with that attitude come and go very, very quickly, irrespective of their qualities as a football players. 
Um, what's the boys swinging about? What's the pranks? What's, what's the daftness of up to in there? Mate, there's just, they're just banter everywhere. Somebody oh. talks, and Andy the goalie, man. Poor Andy talks. Big Sander, shut your fucking mouth. Couldn't just say that, no, I mean. Good, but the boys are brilliant. Everybody cops it, that's a thing. Everybody cops it. But there's no, there's no daft wee pranks kicking about or anything, man. No, let me tell you, I've built her. Right, we all played at Kobo, right? After every Wednesday, we used to go to the shop, and it was like an Indians, the Chinese, we got together, right? But it's fucking freezing, right? It's about minus four. So there's four motors put up, mixed motor, Huck, Boy, I think, Kenny. So there's Kenny, we, Chrissy, Craig, Tam Murray. There's about three families in this shop, right? So it's rammed. And mix it. I'll get it. Don't worry about his man, about his man. So we are shouting chips and curry, fucking pizza or something, blah, blah, blah. So he's sitting with his hands up on the desk, reading the menu. We just goes back, he's got a video of this, so I'm going to video it. So this week, I said, we're done all that, man. And everybody saw that. I was going to have a video. We walks out. Scant Mick right on his ankles. He's not getting boxers on. So he's got his horn on and he feels it and goes like and you can see the woman just look. <laughs> he's got you, he bastard. It's brilliant, man. Honestly, brilliant. some buds, so good. Yeah, see, we see, we Tommy Murray played with you at Colvo. Mm-hmm. But does he stay in a house bigger than yours, mate? Because I text him about coming to Ashfield, right? And he gives it. I'm doing a wee job in my house. I'm doing a job in my house. Me, I was fucking three months ago, mate. How big's his fucking house? I'm still an oven, mate. He's still an oven. <laughs> <laughs> oh my days brilliant right. I love that stuff scanting the gaffer man I'm, right. unbelievable yeah it's funny it's funny that the only person you mentioned in that story that isn't actually at Darvo is Chrissy Craig I know no oh, Tam Murray you hang a couple of them see one yeah. see one hang on that that reminds me of one with me I'm going to throw a quick one in see when we when I was at Rock me Davy Gregg was the manager darling Mick, you don't know Davy I probably would imagine he'd be half Davy Gregg just cause the day we scanting, but we were all getting a drink. It was the last day of the season. I think it was Yoka we're still to play games in Horn and the gaffer thought we were fucking get promoted. So we're all bevying in and the rock and then we were out in the park. We Davy stripped into a pair of pants, mate. You want to see these wee bo- these wee briefs he had on night. <laughs> the worst pants you'd ever see. He started stripping down his pants, being clings in his own park, thought we were promoted. Two games later, we missed out on that point, man. Fucking terrible for that. Oh, what was Mick got another one last year, didn't he, Mick? I think we were in the times room. I was, I've always got sweeties every session in my pocket. Like, every, like even when we're playing things, I've always munched this way. And, I, and then he said something funny, and I went, I didn't see anything about a sweetie. He's like, I ain't the way to talk. <laughs> it's fucking garlic sweeties with Tam's records. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I've seen that in Twitter, mate. You put that video up. Aye, brilliant, man. Oh, <laughs> he was uh, it, seems, it seems like your team respects you, Mick. I'll, I'll give them that. I know. There's a fine line, isn't there? There's a good, there's a good thing. Well, we'll, go, we'll go back on to the football. See, uh, obviously, you've got like your, your GPS stuff and all that, and you've, kinda, you've got your sports science and your strength and conditioning stuff. I'm quite into all that stuff because I, I don't know if you've ever seen the thing that was out a couple of years ago, the Team Sky with Dave Brailsford, and they did like the 1% incremental gains. See, I think all that stuff's quite impressive. What's What's your what was your view on bringing that in? Because obviously it's not really need to really desire that level. The sports science coach at Coval, to be fair, we, we trained with GPS at times because we had a, a language university. 
Percy at that point. And then obviously we moved to Davo and we got them in permanently. I think this for me when it's important this probably Dan will tell you we probably train about ninety five percent of the time we are ball. Everything we probably do is is we are ball to be fair because that's my belief in how we should train because you want them boys to enjoy the environment and then it looks like we are trying to do on a Saturday. And it's, it's, it's difficult to to judge intensity and how hard people are working when you're doing those exercises with a ball. So if you're running somebody for a cone to cone for 30 minutes, it's, it's no hard to work out everybody's working hard. But when you go into a possession drum or a passing drum, you add a ball into it, it's very difficult to understand what intensity people are working. So where the GPS vest is really good is that you, on a, maybe on a Tuesday or a Thursday, we'll sit down and analyse what training's been the night before, we'll look at everybody's individual output and data. And uh, you can see at that point, what level intensity are getting to be. We've got a preset level intensity we have on a Monday and we have on a Wednesday that's then linked into what we do on a Saturday. So it's all pre-planned out. So it's important. Uh, sometimes it's what we're doing doesn't work. We need to tweak it to get more intensity in it. Sometimes it's individuals who maybe not been at it or whatever it is and you need to speak to them individually. But it's, 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 it's important for me just because of how we work. Uh, because, as I say, you've only got the boys for four hours a week training. It's important you get some energy in your legs and you get high output as well. But it's trying to do it in a way where it's physically and mentally challenging and you're not just running people out of the gun for now. So that the GPS stuff like that is really important to me for that stuff. Then the sports science coaches and, and the strength and conditioning coaches are, are important as well because that's their professionalism, their expertise. And it's just about building the best environment we can for the players to allow them to be the best version of themselves they can be, to be honest with you. So you were wearing the GPS vest and all that and you can see the output the players are putting in. Was there a noticeable difference from when you first started it to maybe later on? Because, I mean, you know what it's like, we all played, you know that you, most of the time you, you're throwing it in at training, there's, you'll cut runs short, or you'll you're not quite put a full effort in, but you can hide it most of the time. See, when you've got the GPS, does it show up that when players are they putting in kind of the effort that you're hoping for them? I, 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 I think, don't get me wrong, you've lost good most of the training sessions. And if we say to the coaching staff, who jinx will be at it tonight, you could probably pick it up before it's seen the data the next right. day. Do you know what I mean? It's, 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 still, it's still obvious to the eye, I think. Uh, but it's, it's, for me, it's not really there about the individual. It's more about the collective output or what the session brings. So for us, every individual training drill we do has got a level intensity matched against it. We then we analyse that the next day, then we then know that gives you what you're working at eighty six percent, then we know we can if we go to that draw next time, everything's planned out properly. So we know we're trying to get to doing about seventy five percent match day intensity and training session the Monday or Wednesday. So it's all that stuff behind it, which is a science part that Matty does and breaks it down, then it's important then to be put drills in place that get to that level of intensity. So it's more that problem. But no, I, I think Darren will tell you if if, if we because we spend a lot of time at ball. If, if, if we're not at it for f- five minutes, then the reality is the next 15 minutes I'll just work with football. Mm-hmm. So there's two options. You either enjoy it and you, you work hard and you apply yourself properly or we'll work it out differently. And that doesn't happen very often, but there's, there's been another occasion that I'll tell you at Lock Inch where I've been a bit nuts. Uh, but in general terms, uh, the, the boys work hard. Listen, I think if you if you create a good environment and the boys enjoy being there and they know they're going to turn up, they know they're going to enjoy it, they know they need to work hard and they apply themselves, then I think it's half the battle. There's nothing worse when you're t- driving into training. I've done it myself. You think, fucking, it's Monday night and you're running for an hour night. I mean, it's, more, it's mentally nah, it's demoralising. 
How do you find it, Dan? With all the kind of like the the vest and the sports science stuff and that for a player aspect. Yeah, it's got to be Dan running very sweeties in his pocket, man. Because I seen him taking a wee munch yesterday. Yeah, because my attention span's terrible. I had to try and munch something. He's got garlic sweeties in there again. They're good, mate. They've got their ups and downs, like you says, but I think put the team there's a couple is that maybe sometimes like when we are so last year to be fair me and Kenny would always be like ah, looking at each other as if money fuck but then like he says you can't hide and they're no slow and pulling you up but it's good to know because even though we're in lockdown like we had the GPS same as last lockdown we were doing 5Ks and that, then he could tell us what we had to do more, he could tell us so it was good for that there wasn't any hiding place I think that shows when we went back we were fitter we were stronger it was good it was good in that way and like you say you have to be the best ain't you so if it takes wearing a GPS vest to train harder or be stronger or whatever if it is sharper then that's what's going to happen we'll see you when you're saying I, you I, did I, you. sorry mate on you go I, I, I think you can also sometimes do too much in as well Paul do you know what I mean I think I think we've probably been guilty that times as well you can over analyse things to death and you can read out the data too much it's hard to know maybe Darren's had a bad day at work or Maybe not a good night's sleep the night before and you turn up and you're lethargic and you're no at it. Do you know what I mean? Listen, the boys have got jobs and personal lives and all that, so it's hard as well. So you need to sometimes take all the things into consideration. Sometimes it isn't just black and white. And I think there's been times where we have probably looked at it like that and we've probably read in it far too much at times. You're uh, no batting them on the goalies, Mac, are you? You're no wasting them on goalies, are you? No, nah, the goalie's getting as well. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> the goalie's getting as well. The goalie's are lazy bastards. See when, I said, see when I said third choice goalie, Mick, just rat back me. I'm not going to do a GPS zone, man. Chris doesn't need to wear anything, Mick. Don't know, he's a golden boy. Oh, is he? <laughs> he's a vest, but I'm not here. Goalie's are never the gaffer's golden boy, or not? No, he is, uh, mate. Uh, he's, Honestly, he certainly is. Even after he conceded 10 goals in the first four games last season? Isn't it his fault, not one? That was his fault. That was That's amazing, mate, because any manager I played under, mate, they hated fucking goalies, mate. Absolutely hated them. Dan, see you on, uh, like, obviously you're talking about the COVID and that, and you get the vest, same with you. I spoke to Jamie earlier. How He said he's kind of, t- like, they tailored individual plans for you, isn't it? How mm-hmm. did you find having to work through the individual plans? Mate, I, I can go around, no worries. Like, so other things I would struggle with, see like them burpees and all that. I'm the skinniest guy in the world, man. I'm never, I know it's not about getting all big and stronger and all that, but that, that, that shit doesn't do anything for me. So I would rather just put them on and run or go and fucking play football myself or something, but I, I struggle with stuff like that. But recently I've been going to, I've been going to like a PT and it's been good, it's been enjoyable. It's, I feel like when you see when you go to the gym and stuff, Feels as if every couple looks at you, man, no, because you're more there all the time, and I just hate it, mate. I get a fucking get a complex, so I I don't mind going a run. I'm never I'm never no fit, but I was it's good that it is good that they, they work out who needs what and the body fats and all that. That was good last year because even though we were in lockdown, you were still hurt, like you know you got to get a body fat took me back, so you didn't want to be like, fuck, I don't want to be fucking well over here. Do you know what I mean? So it has bonuses and all. See, I think it's quite, it's quite an interesting thing for me because I'm quite sad with all that stuff. Like, I like stats and for games. It's just, it is, it's sad as fuck, but it's what I like. But uh, see, like that, you're saying you like your running that. Mick, did you have them doing any 5K time trials or anything? No, because I'll be honest with you, Paul, I'm not really a big fan of people doing 5 and 10Ks all the time. 
that was part of the issue we had in lockdown originally. So because the art is you're conditioning your body to do something that you're not. That's not your main output anyway. So yeah, if you, you need to, we just need to be cautious that the boys are not. That's their only training output that we're doing. So I'm not the biggest fan of them running that that sort of way. Darren's diff, Darren enjoys that because Darren's very athletic in terms of running long distances. The problem Darren's got is he's got an attention span of a, a, a two-year-old as well. So when you, when you look at the new, right, he's looking at there. Do you know what I mean? That. But, <laughs> so, so when you're asking Darren to tune in the individual things, I'm a full guy. So that so that so so that that's the I, I'm only into five and ten k's to be honest with you maybe one a week uh, or something like that about and other training but the boys have got training plans they know but it's, it's all dynamic stuff it's all linked to certain movements and working certain muscles and all that sort of stuff so I prefer working like that uh, than running these sort of distances I suppose it's it's more game specific. I mean, I, I like to run stuff. That's something I quite mm-hmm. enjoy. So I'm a bit like Dan. I would go out and hammer runs, no bother. That's fine for me. But in the long term, it doesn't really do you uh, any kind of extra benefits because you're never really running more than eighty or ninety yards at a time in a football game anyway. Moving, moving away from kind of some of that stuff. See, um, with the SFA licensing and that, so obviously you could, if football comes back this season, but I didn't actually. I wasn't aware of this until we spoke to Moff and Gaz a couple of weeks ago. Get if you can win the, the league this year, if you've got your SFA licensing in place and you've got a chance of promotion in the Lowland League, what kind of stuff are you doing in the background to get the SFA licensing sorted? Well, we're done, Paul. Bar floodlights, so the floodlights are due to go in. Uh, everything else is done. To be fair, it was all, it's all been done for months. We're, we've been way ahead. It was just our only issue has been floodlights. There's just been a delay with the columns simply because of COVID. Uh, the manufacturer. Uh, it's probably made the time schemes a bit tighter than what we thought it would have been, but aye, other than that, everything else, all the, all the ground improvements, uh, all, all that were all done in the summer. What kind of stuff was it you had to do to get it up to kind of the level that you needed? So we had to make your change, the, the way changing room double in size, build an extension on the side there. So now it's about eight, eight foot wide instead of the four it was before? <laughs> So I'm recognisable, honestly. <laughs> I've only uh, ever been doing it Davo once and in the away change room and I swear to God, man, uh, there was a fucking big puddle at the back of the rather get changed in. Mate, it's not meant to be comfortable, Paul, is it? It's not meant to be like fucking Tirani after a couple of bombs have been dropped. Fair enough. They've thrown Tirani in when I'm in the house here. There's a place I've never I've never been to Davo in my football. <laughs> I thought you guys have never been to Tiran. <laughs> I'm oh, fucking been there plenty of times visiting family and that. <laughs> no, but it's never a place I've been to. So hopefully cause of this conversation in that way, we might and Dan will maybe get invited down and I think so. Aye. Even when George Bibby is in the changing rooms, I can come down, Mick, for a wee party with Dan. I'm sure we'll be invited down to lock in you know, for a wee bit of PG and Dak behind the scenes. Aye, mate. Definitely. <laughs> the, the goalie and the boy with one leg absolutely sure up Dan. Just don't take any sweeties after Dan. <laughs> no, I need to kick in. I have to keep my sugar levels high, not high boy. <laughs> See, uh, Owen, kinda, with the season being stopped and we don't really know what'll happen. Potentially, it could be could be finished already. What's your views on it? Do you think he's will be able to get back? Because you have still got what is it, twenty one games left to play? I don't think we will. Uh, Aye, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident we'll start back. You think so? The, re- the reason I think so is not so much for because I think we're sort of in control of our own destiny. I think League One and League Two will start back. 
I think the whole pyramid system will permission to play back at some point. Uh, I can't, I'd be absolutely astounded if they, 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 they null and voided League One, League Two and the Lone League. And I think once they're granted permission to come back and play, we'll come back and play. I'm fairly confident we'll come back. Uh, and people I've, I speak to are fairly, are fairly confident as well. Fingers crossed because it's been a bit depressing and no way can kind I of start this year after the way the last one finished. Right, we'll leave uh, the Darvel chat there. We've got a wee fan zone. So we've got a couple of questions for you. So the first one is for Fraser Reid. Um, how important is the experience of Ian McShane, Daryl Meggett and even Jordan Kirkpatrick in your bid for promotion? You obviously promoted into the Lowland League. Uh, I, I don't even so much as, as much as the experience. I just think it's probably their qualities, to be fair. Uh, but also the other boys we brought in the summer as well, uh, Ross Codwell, Jordan Allen, Ryan Thompson, all the boys have added real quality to the group that we'd already decided to keep in the summer. So it's just adding their quality and their experience. I think we've got real good experience through the full squad now. Uh, very fortunate we've got that. But aye, it's, it's just mere their qualities. I, th- I think what's important for us, Paul, is that we're very cautious when we bring people into the club and the recruit. We're very cautious of what age we bring them in. And I think the good thing about Jordan Kilpatrick, Jordan Allen and Ian, and boys like that is they're all oh, about 27 they're all running about their peak years and they've got another maybe four or five years at the top end of, of football left in them so I, I think it's just mere qualities and, and the, the experience is, is it's a totally different level so the experience doesn't really come into it to be honest with you because you're having to readjust you're having to understand that like, I mean the dynamics are the level comparable with where they came for night and day do you know what I mean these boys have played in the championship and SPL and stuff like that coming to play a junior football West of Scotland League, it's a totally different level altogether. It took them a bit of time to get adjusted to it this season, but their qualities are integral to what we're trying to achieve. But they're part of maybe the club early next three or four years, so if we, if we manage to retain them, that is. Um, we say boys like the dressing room, Dan. The decent, all decent boys, I take it. We talk no, the dressing room, mate. Well, uh, you know what I mean, but I don't run you, mate. Dane, Dane 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 I think every, everybody in the change room sort of knew each other. Every, I think everybody in our team played senior at one point. Nice. And I think everybody knows everybody before they came in, but there's no denying they were very, very, very good signings. They're all brand new and all, which helps. Like Mick said before, you could, I think there was a couple of times in the season, uh, close season, though, Mick was offered a couple of boys, and I think he asked a couple of different people what they like, and like, when they fit in, it doesn't matter if they're good, but if you're a banger, you're not coming. No, definitely. Um, Fraser's got a wee PS. He says, is there any chance he can get uh, free delivery for Colt Bridge Black Rooster? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we start delivering next week or something like that. I've sorted for him. Look at these water bottles, by the way. What island, mate? Eat your heart out. Look at these. Cheers, mate. What, what, what did I say? Is it starts all with the brand in it? That's oh, it. That's it. We're no big on branding around that. Like, we just like to, to just kind of do, do things a small time, you know what I mean? Um, man, that's, that's over getting branded about me. Honestly, wanted posters a lot, man. <laughs> um, Dan, we've got a question for you. Who has the biggest head at Darvel FC and why is it Jordan Allen? <laughs> that that comes for Mark Blakey. <laughs> Jordan's a good boy, man. Ronaldo. Every shot he hits, I think he's Ronaldo. I'm not kidding on, right? This is the truth here. Mick will back me up. See, Jordan Allen had 
half a brain, he could play for Real Madrid. I'm no kidding. He's strong, he's fast, he's powerful, his left foot's like a wand. Just an absolute no no writer. Well, be, be fair, I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll put that as a quote down in his movie that if Jordan Allen had half a brain, he'd play for Real Madrid. It must run in Jordan's family because I only found this out the other day. Jordan's cousin's one of my good mates, and uh, at parties, we always get his cousin Spenny to snort vodka. So it must just be something that's in their family. <laughs> Do you know what it is, Stephen? I remember. I remember when we decided we wanted to bring in an actual left back and we spoke to you about three or four and I met, I met I must have met Jordan, I think I had about ten coffees with him to convince him to come. He was getting chased, I don't know how many clubs at the time. And do you know that way when I seen him play before, he's six feet two, I mean athletic, powerful, strong, great left peg. And you think you look at me, you're a modern day fullback. Every attribute you need and you think to yourself, how how have you not made it? And for some boys it's luck. There's just no the rubber the green. There's other boys probably dark to be fair. Maybe at times that immaturity or their attitudes let them do it certain situations and that's affected their ability to move up the leagues. Then when I worked with Jordan, you realise that how he didn't make it because any mistake he makes you absolutely crucifies his still. I mean, I, I mean you can, I it's, it's ending the world stuff. Do you know what I mean? And you just can't manage and that's something we're working with him on to improve and stuff like that because if you can talk, but for us this year, he's been an absolute top, top sign. He's been fantastic for us. If he's on his game, he's unplayable. But it was why I thought to myself, how is he, you know? And I think that's what Darren's alluding to, that he just sometimes kind of manage the negative side of the game. But he's a lovely guy. And he's a, I mean, he's a top, in my opinion, the left-backs that are in this country, and that, he's better than Celtic's left-back. They know that boy likes it. He is, 100%. Every and day. Taylor. Well, it'd be fair. Taylor's been brought up for under 13, so that's a bit harsh on him. <laughs> I, I don't want to get into it, man, but I would play down at centre half in a coffee, mate, but that's for another. <laughs> you ever seen me hit a ball? Eh? You ever seen me hit a ball? You ever seen Shane Duffy? Have you ever seen Shane Duffy? No. By the way, Paul, you look a bit like Shane Duffy there, man. Aye. Big Duffy. I don't even know what to say to that. I'm <laughs> 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 a bit upset, man. Right, on to. Uh... We'll talk about the good players, no, you don't. Just keep it quiet. <laughs> uh, that's why I actually talked about Jordan Allen. Um, Jamie had sent me some of the stuff with the, the players. So Jordan, uh, Aaron McKenzie, and Aaron Black are all your your kind of high performers in terms of like, the fitness stuff and all that with uh, the GPS vest and that. Aaron McKenzie is an absolute machine. Aye. Oh, mate, he's a machine. He's a good big player, Aaron, isn't he? Aye. He played everywhere for us last year. Allen's been... Again, probably wasn't one of the marquee signings that everybody thought uh, we would bring in. I know he'd been at Talbot and Pork and stuff like that, but things didn't they quite work out from. But I, th- I think the difference is us, he's got there's a genuine belief in him. He knows he's an integral part of the team try today, and he's uh, he's been absolutely top draw for us. He's probably been one of the best players, one of the yeah. best signings I've made. I mean, he's been Nate, attitudes exceptional, works hard, applies himself. Whatever you ask him today, does it to the letter. He's he's so handsome, really yeah. he's, he's, he's a good one. He's, he's a good a lovely guy he's, as well. Seen the change room, see the new seating area. It's Maka, who's also a belter. Me, <laughs> then Aaron. Hey, oh, you know what and if missing? you want a good time, I'll be going on skiing. <laughs> all, you're, all you're missing is a handsome, baldy guy sitting alongside his mate, like myself, mate. You know what I mean? Huck sits across the other end of the change room. <laughs> 
TJ's portfolio right. move on, PG. My wee, my one wee thing about Davo that I think's class, right? And I don't think a lot of people comment on it, but I was talking to Wee Bert about it, one of the coaches that Ashfield we brought. Wee Bert was back. What I think is if he touches mix see that when I seen that on social media, mate, honestly, mate, they steak pies, mate. You dish out steak pies to the boys. I think, mate, I honestly think that is different class, mate, because different gravy. Different gravy, <laughs> me. That's no gravy. For me, me, I just think it's a wee small things that players pure love, and obviously me being a bit yeah, a fat, a fat dick. <laughs> I don't know that, but in all fairness, mate, I think it's just the wee touches for the boys, and that, and it just shows you how much you appreciate their effort and their commitment, mate. It's not just that, but but through this, to be fair, be fair to credit where credit's due, Mick. John, they've all stopped by the world. I think when we came in to start with, Mick ensured us all that we would. He brought us here for a reason, and uh, some people no rely on football wages, but it helps. There's no denying that. And extra cup, whatever it is, in your bank every week helps. But we, for the start of all this, we've been paid every single week. Not one time we've not been paid. And he said that to the start. And he's never, he's never took it back. Well, fear. You need to start showing that. Don't I bump into you in the boozer, man. You wouldn't even buy me a pint, man. What's that all about? You ran out and left a tap. You're after me. Right, that's uh, that's the end of the fan zone because you don't really have many fans, so we didn't get many questions. <laughs> um, so we'll move on to your time at Colville now, Mick. So the big question is, Dan, did you get paid yes. merit at Colville or Darvel? <laughs> See this or nothing, right? We used to have up to it, but there was some, and I remember who who was it where they get Barnett Burn or something. And the guy's like, mate, I took a corner, a corner, a fucking corner. And he's like, ah, that's one hundred quid a week gets you. I was like, I want to get my bed for one hundred quid a week, mate. Little did team I went, this is for double for seventy. There was other things that Covo uh, Covo was the exact same way Davo was. There's nothing changed apart from you get a pay. That's it. The boys are. Uh, Covo could easily want Chrissy Craig is by far the best football player I've seen with the body seat. The we can't get the end. You had every player on that team. Hackey's the best player I've ever played with. That's just angry. you've got Big McD. Every Covo player could have went away. But you've got a changing room that everybody's like a brother to each other. You've got the best of gear, you've got sports scientists, you've got the best trackies. I know it sounds daft, but it's a wee things that I really look for, doesn't it? You've got a good pub to go to after the game, you get fucking Everything's the best. You've got the best players, the best gaffer, the best... Everything was the best. That was how Kovo was good because there was a genuine belief that we were never going to get beat. And even if we were getting beat, we would come back. I think in my time at Kovo, we won four four trebles, Max. Is that right? Uh, uh, no, there's no... Four trebles in a row, is that right? No, is it three no? trebles? I've got... Based off of what I've got, I could be wrong, right? I've got his one in... The Scottish three times. Oh, sorry. Nah, the Scottish three times. It's four trebles. It's definitely a four trebles. Next one at Covo, 100%. You've got the Scottish three times, the Foster's Premier, four, the West ones, the M&M Trophy ones, and the uh, the Bunry uh, Cup ones. And the well. Cinema Cup or something like that, Mick, didn't we? Aye, but that's a turn up and get it. Uh, right, <laughs> so, on the Covo, to be fair, actually with the pay, right, because... See, with Covo, you're never going to be able to convince that many people. The only thing I would say is, I worked with Andy McGowan, uh, that you got for Bannockburn. And Big Andy, aye, aye. Big Andy always said to me... What are you thinking about him, Mick? Let's talk about that now, mate. Well, he always said to me, before, before he said, he always said to me that we never got paid. He always was a bit of a liar. But what have you got to say, Mick? <laughs> uh, no, 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 I, I, do you know something, Paul? I, listen, I think, I, I think football is a very small world. 
So, and I say this about people when they talk about it's paying ridiculous sums of money just now. Like, we have spoke to players in the summer, and last year we didn't get, for whatever circumstances, whether it was environment, they didn't want to come, or we only paid them enough money. So I think when I talk openly and publicly about money, then I would be setting myself up for a fall if there was people out there who could contradict me. And when we were at Colvo, there was probably five or six players at my time that I tried to sign me up for your biggest competitors at that time. St. Pat's and a band at and a Hairstains, and we didn't get them for one reason or another. And I'm sure if I'd sat on a table and offered Dave all his money, they'd have happily have flung us under a bus hmm. because they were the best team in the country at that point. They decided not to come. There's games where the players have followed the players that I had at Cove and all that stuff. Not one person, not one person could ever, 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 ever say that I offered them money to play football in Cove Park or ordered a pay them. And see them, they could stand up and say that. I would chuck football in the room. So it was never, <laughs> it was never the case. Just for anybody listening to this, never on the the case, po- for anybody listening to this on the podcast, Darren just stood up there and tried to call Mick a liar. But um, <laughs> I spoke to. Uh, because obviously it's difficult to get too much about your time as a player in terms of like on the internet and that because amateurs it's not really great getting in. I spoke to my good mate Alan Russell the day. Um, I think he played with we Alan at the district team. I remember played against him a few times. But we Alan was telling us that you were a quite a tidy sweeper, um, and he also told me that he's lo- you lost four Scottish Cup finals in a row as a player. Matt, you, get any, Matt, you get any? You get any pictures of you playing? Any? I was trying to dig out some pictures of you playing. What's that you've got, done? Pat Nevin. Pat Nevin there. Pat Nevin. <laughs> <laughs> look at him. Look at Matt. Oh, sick, Matt. You look fucking terrible there. <laughs> I was just coming after the gear at that point. <laughs> you need a fucking back rooster in you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Mick, on you go, Aye, but so you're kind of, because obviously it was a drum, I went and had a wee look online, so it was the drum, you lost the first one, Drum United, and then you've lost three in a row with Colville, was it? Uh, I lost no, two with Drum and two with Colville, right, I lost, uh, lost three of them on penalties. Fuck's sake. So, uh, I just want, I, I, I don't know, my 12 year of playing amateur, no, my 12 year of playing amateur football, I think we won that Premier Division nine times or something like that. We won the West. I don't know how many times we won the West, five or six times as a player. Won every other cup, God knows how many times. Just couldn't win Scottish Cups. See, in Players, terms of... Players, we lost three in penalties. See, in terms of going to, when you're going into your management, right, obviously you've won three Scottish Cups. The closest mass spell, I mean, I don't know if you know much about when I was managing at Bridgewater. You said a bad year that year and we got to the semis. And see, for me, the Scottish Amateur Cup, no in terms of quality, but in terms of the sheer volume of teams and rounds you have to go through, it must be one of the hardest trophies that you can win in Scottish football because, I mean, I think we we played 10 games to get to the semis because we had a couple of replays and stuff, and it's ridiculous the amount of fucking games you have to go through to try and get to that stage. But going for, like, being a player and a manager, what was the... What proof? What Scottish meant the most to you? Because obviously you knew you were leaving when you won your last, winning the first one or winning the third one. Because obviously you you could have been looking at was it just sheer relief on winning the first one after being so close as a player? Uh, I, I I think when you, when you move from management to playing, I think it's a different kind of feeling all together. To be honest with you, I think. Uh, the first one was just sheer relief, I think. And and, and to be honest with you, not really so much for me, to be honest with you, 
it was more so for the club because I'd lost to Cobble Park Jerry, who was a manager when I went to play, lost one before that as well. And they were always regarded at that time as being one of the top clubs in the country, when, even when I played against them. And they just couldn't win a Scottish Cup. And it was more relief for Jerry and Joe and Andy, who were the guys who ran the club and had the trust in me to become the manager. And also for the players, because I think they probably deserve to do it. So, because there are tens of occasions, Scottish Cups, it doesn't matter. Well, people degrade it, because it's no the juniors or it's no senior or whatever it may be. But the reality is, when you're an amateur football player, it's a massive thing. You're playing at Hamden. Uh, there's a massive build up to it, as you say. There's well over a thousand clubs starting it. Now, they have that level of consistency to get, to get through 10, 11 rounds. It's, it's a massive challenge to do that and be at it every single time you're playing. So it was it was more a sense of relief, to be honest with you. Uh, and also, the, the, the joys there are finally. Finally, one in one when you've been through the back end of four and as a player and no managed to get on the line. Uh, I can only uh, imagine. Did you, how... did you get injured, Mick? Is that how your playing career stopped short? Was it? I, 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 I've got an injury called osteitis pubis. So yeah. I had to stop playing when I was about 33 or something like that. I thought no sure I get that that because I wasn't known for running about a lot. That's how I ran like fuck. so I so I ended up going to about 32, 33 and had to, had to stop playing to be fair. But uh, aye, it was it was as I say, it's a massive when I mean, you've been involved in amateur football for so long as well, uh, and and as I say, you've lost so many as a player. It's a, it's a massive, it's a massive thing to, to finally get on the line. See, see, see for me, sorry, PG. For me, just I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the golden straw here, right? But this is my opinion on it. See, for the success that you and Darn and the likes of the boys you've got and you've put them on to, so what you've took boys out here. I think it's unbelievable, right? I've been involved in management. I was running an amateur team on a Saturday morning, all kind of starting. But I mean, we had an amazing team, big group of pals on the leagues and that, but never quite went as far in the Scottish and all that. And, and I've been part of teams, good teams and all, but never went as far in the Scottish. So go and win the Scottish that consistently, and go and win cups that consistently, and then go into obviously the next level up, and go and win a league. Obviously, you've still, because of COVID, you've still got other things, but I think the success that you as a guy from Darns achieved as a player is nothing short of outstanding. Do you know what I mean? And it should never be taken for granted in my opinion because we've all played with dynamite players and how many good players and they've won nothing. Do you exactly. know what I mean? See, these people get this thing and all about like wanting but really it gets me is some boys want to stay senior for this their full career to say I played senior. And I know I get it fair enough they're playing the league right. They look back and they'll be like, I remember last time we played against fucking Annan on a Thursday night and won fuck all. It's not about the trophies, it's about who you share the changing room with. I think it makes it more better. But see, when you've got that success, way a good changing room, you don't have a way to leave it. There's hundreds, there's been opportunities. But when I played with Kovo, I left, signed for Clyde and ended up going back to Kovo. One thing didn't work out, but it was, I, I, you miss it. Because like you say, there's nothing in common with some of the other boys. It's literally just a football team. No, I mean you're playing senior. It's just football team. You then get your own lives. Don't really keep in contact with someone outside. Things have changed now. Also, group chats and all that. But 
it's definitely about the successes, but I want to give you fucking five aside, see if you win trophies with your pals. You're not going to fuck them, you know? See, to be honest, I think you made a good point, Dan. Um, I was one of the ones where I went into juniors at 18 and I went to Rob Roy and we won the league. I think we won a cup final my first season. And I kind of had a decent wee spell for the first couple of years. And then I through injuries and no being as good as maybe I thought I was, I started dropping down levels and I thought, no, I'm no, no going amateur, I'm staying junior, I'm staying junior. And I think there's, there's something to be said for it. Like, I got quite fortunate, I had a wee spell at the port for three years where I best I've enjoyed my football, I loved it. Mm-hmm. But when I was 27, I ended up going and playing with Bridgewater because it was all boys first and that's where I'm fae. Mm-hmm. And I won a league title and it was just like a different kind of level of togetherness that I hadn't experienced in a long time. And I kind of, when I became manager there, I started trying to sell that to players like because mm-hmm. my like, I was trying to get boys for the bottom level of the juniors to come because I didn't I thought that we were run better in terms of like, the way you said it at uh, Covo we had a great committee where we had fucking all the boys had two training gears you had your trackies you had bags but boys even daft stuff like you had the different coloured uh, warm uh, kind of rain jackets for warm ups and all that mm-hmm. depending on the stip you're wearing and trying to sell that to certain boys who think no I'd rather go I'd rather stay without disrespect playing with new mains mm-hmm. who are never really going to win anything unless they, they kind of get a wee injection anything. Uh, I think it's kind of it's a good point you make but um, Mick just this is something I ask more often it'll be one of the ones where I'll probably ask every manager I have on be your transition for playing to management because I'd say that to Moff where I did a lot of self-reflection when I did it and thought I hadn't been the best player to play for managers that because I my attitude was shite and I didn't get enough. Do you look back for now being a, a manager to when you're playing and think, I could have done this better, I could have done that better? As a player? Just in terms of like, what you thought about, if you look back on how you were as a player and how you were maybe good at certain things or not so good at certain things? No, I think, I, I think, uh, I, I think, I think anybody who sort of managed me would probably say it was pretty easy to manage. I think I had a good attitude, I worked hard. Uh, football was a massive part of my life I took it seriously I applied myself to it properly alongside another group of players we had a lot of success here sustained period of time uh, but no I, I wouldn't I, I, listen I, I was fairly confident when I played amateur football I could have stepped in and played junior football I don't think I was, I was never now I had opportunities to do that countless times and made the decision not to at a, 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 a good level at that level uh, but for me, football was always a release away from my personal life. It was something I wanted to ensure I enjoyed. And again, I played with a group of people who were players who are pals of mine, who I've still got strong relationships with. So, no, I, I think, I think I, I, I don't look back and think I was ever difficult to manage or uh, anything like that. I, I, uh, I think I was probably particularly easy. I was probably a good communicator. I was always somebody who actually led and wanted to be the front things to make sure that boys were applying themselves or working hard and all that stuff. So no, but I, I've enjoyed. I don't know about Moff's opinion. I've I've enjoyed the transition. Uh, I probably feel more comfortable doing this, and I did playing football. To be honest with you, funny enough, uh, and uh, maybe it's because my playing career is about ten years away now. But I probably feel as if I enjoy this more. It's something you fancy doing? I I would like to eventually, but I don't know, man. It makes makes a totally different person for me. Like I'm, I'm. He's a lot calmer in situations and stuff. I'd like to I eventually because I, I would like to have an impact on somebody younger's career or have make it the same way my kids like create this family thing all the time and one thing's I but I think I would need to be an assistant for a good number of years first so hopefully when I retire Mick's still kicking about and I can learn off him 
Aye. See, to be fair, I think that's a good way to go. Is like getting in and doing a bit of coaching and then possibly moving to being an assistant. It's something that when we spoke to him off, he mentioned, and I thought it was quite a good transition for him. Where, like you're saying, you, you kind of you learn your craft and your trade almost in that, working your way through instead of just going straight into management. I think Mick's done that with Jerry, haven't you, Mick? And Jerry's still about the new, like getting that Mick needs or he's no sure on. Jerry's still about Davo. It's good. That's another thing that's created everybody. Who's been with Mick is sort of still there, like he says. It's good, like that. Not I mean, we get Rab Sneddon, who's an older, nah, an older he done all. Kev McDonald, who's played at the best level. It's a good mix for the gaffer and the people he's got. Xander, obviously a goalie coach. That's good. It is good. I think, and everybody, even though Mick's a gaffer, I think there'll be some things he still maybe goes out of Jerry. Would would you think I stay here? Or Rab gives him his opinion. Or Kev will go out well. No, he'll no directly say I've played at the fucking best level here, but he knows different things about we know, obviously, do you know what I mean? So it's quite good. I think it's making the gaffer a better a manager or not. I think it, it helps if you're able to take that kind of advice for people and that, because no everybody knows. One person doesn't know everything, you know what I mean? You need, that's nah. why you have your, your team about you. But Dan, back on to Koval, you said kind of like, Mick talked about kind of St. Pat's and you had hair stains. For me, when I came into amateurs, because I didn't know a massive amount of it. It was yourselves and um, Southside. Was the juice of us? I can anybody either particular rivalry with or anything like that. Or was Southside. it just Southside? Because I guess they made no no hang about they were fine people and stuff. Aye. And I don't think they would deny that they know. But like I say, they'll come on and oh no, they'll come on. Sorry, back then they wanted to be as good as us. They they weren't. That's the truth. They they would never would have been. But they were, they were doing everything they power to become, so then they became, well, you got to take a chip after your country, does know what I mean? And I think the beat is one time, to be fair, and that was like you said earlier on. Seeing you're playing for the Scottish Cup, you're playing for the West, you're playing for the League, you're playing for another, you're playing four games a week sometimes, and it's hard, amateur. You've gone to fucking Echo Sai for a half six kickoff. Boys are working to five o'clock, know what I mean? It's hard, and that took its toll, but. I would say them, but Bannockburn, wasn't it, Mick? And then towards the end, it was definitely St. Pat's. It was definitely St. Pat's. I was not denying that. We had, uh, the day we won the league was brilliant, Mick, wasn't it? We, we won the league after we'd played Bannockburn and early kick-off. St. Pat's had to drop points. And we won the league and we were all sitting in the Bannockburn pub. 20s or something in the corner and they gave us bottles of champagne they had this big street party. It was brilliant, man. That's good at Bannockburn today. I see you say on St. Pat's. My limited knowledge of amateur football because I was only involved for three years. But, but see, for me, St. Pat's were, we played them in the quarters of the Scottish and they were, we never played Jews, but they were the best team at that level that we played. They were, I thought they were excellent, like better than a lot of junior teams at the lower levels that we played against. But I think with them, you're saying that, that doesn't surprise me that they lost it in the last day because see, they should never, we should never have put them out. I mean, they were by far a better team than us. But I think that because they blew a league title the year after against you as well, right? That was was that the last one you won? Ah, yeah, yeah. I, they just to me, I think that was their weakness. They had a great team, but they didn't have the the kind of mental toughness to go and win trophies consistently. People but, underestimate how hard that is to get on that line, by the way, didn't they? Once you date once, but mate, you know how it's easy. Aye. It's the hardest thing to do. You know what I mean? No, it's uh, it's quite interesting, particularly with the south side thing, because you saw that. They had their spell where they'd all that money and like you said, they never really had that boys were getting paid, but it went tits up for them and then they, they couldn't mm. see it through basically as soon as a couple of boys started leaving it fell apart for them. 
But they, that's what that's that's the thing. But you've got players that are there for the wrong reasons. I've got players there because they're getting paid and they're, they're wanting a wage. If somebody was to say to me, if I was to be called on somebody to go, I can play amateur, mate. You've got like you say Bridgewater or something, or else you get Southside or nothing for the week. I said, I'll see you on Monday at training. Then, you know what I mean? But when you've got people there all day and they want buying it to the one thing, you're there for the right reasons, isn't it? That means more. Definitely makes a difference. Um, can I? We're looking. We're going to be finishing up soon, but. Mick, is uh, you still playing the news at Easter Craig's 35s you're, you're playing me when they're or when they're back aye aye 35s I, well I will go back now I don't know because we've had such a sustained break but aye yeah, 35s the odd time if there's a body shot I'll try and get on I can still run have you seen Mick play football by the way I have you he's fucking very 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 good Mike says he's a good player Mick. yeah very good but he's too calm for my like now look my hair like the new right I would have knee hair play my complete knee hair I take fucking Cruyff turns in the six yard box and all that. See if you're not at Meg someday. I don't want to give you the fear down, mate, but that's how my hairline started. <laughs> mate, that thing, mate, mate. Fucking, <laughs> you know what I feel? I've took this, mate, because people were slagging me because they shine on my head, mate. So just in case it was getting a bit too much for people, mate, I'll do the rest of the show in this. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you look like Blondie. Oh, mate, I, look like, I look like a big belter. I maybe get a seat in the dressing room next to Dan now. <laughs> right, well, I think, I think we'll finish it on that. Um, Mick, Dan, I honestly really appreciate you taking your time to speak to us. It's been, it's been excellent. And um, hopefully, because my attitude has changed after watching you on something else, Mick, on the money stuff, where you seem sincere enough that I bought it. So I'd imagine more people have to listen to this you maybe not get quite as much stick, but saying that, the internet's not really open yet, so they'll probably not be able to see this, so you'll probably still get stick down there. But honestly, guys, really, really appreciate you taking the time to speak to yeah, us. And see, see, for me, guys, the two of you are top guys, man, and you are doing good stuff. Just keep it going, and uh, appreciate your time in it as well, man. It's been absolute first class. Thank you. Thanks a lot, lads. Um, hopefully, we'll, hopefully we'll have you on when we're... Uh, we're hopefully going into the studio when all this stops, so we'll get you in and that. Yeah, last thing here, last thing is worth celebrating. This is probably the only podcast that I've done, mate. So it's another V1 ticked off for you, Mick. <laughs> Brilliant, lads. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Right, Take care, lads. Thank you. Thanks, lads. Bye.